And the only way you can do that, and this is the mistake people make, they're working in the business instead of on the business is what I always hear. And so you've got to get it in your mind that I'm going to invest in this, in the people and train them. And then you got to let them go and let them do their thing. Same thing goes with the marketing. You've got to pay the marketing price. You have to pay it. People are not going to come in if you don't market. We have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars marketing and people still walk in and go, how long have you guys been here? I didn't even know this place was here. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook, a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. And my life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. Uh, super stoked today for some of the guests that I have. These are people that I know just personally within the community that I live in Santa Clarita, California. Most of you probably have no idea where that is, but it's LA-ish. And um, anyway, Dan is going to be joining us probably a few minutes late here, but that's okay because we have uh, um, an amazing couple here with us today that are franchisees of Nine Round. And we'll get into Nine Round and who they are, what they do. And and get into their story. But first and foremost, Larry and uh, Christy Grable wanted to introduce you both. Excited to have you guys on. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So I think a good place to start would be, uh, let's start with you, Christy. I mean, I asked this to everybody. I mean, how did franchising find you? Or even before that, I mean, how did, what is your background, right? Give us a little bit of insight on, on, on Christy. All right. Well, my background is I'm a retired kindergarten teacher at taught school for three years, four years. I can't remember. It was so long. <laughs> the whole three years before I had kids. And uh, we were living in Oklahoma, Edmond, Oklahoma at the time when Nine Round, I had a friend who was a trainer at Nine Round and she tried for about a year and a half to get me to come in and try Nine Round. But I was like, no, I'm way too uncoordinated. I am not coming in there doing kickboxing. This is just not for me. Year and a half later, I went in, fell in love with it, had my kids join me, had Larry join me as members. And then when we decided to move to California, Larry said, have you thought about opening a nine round? And I said, no, why would I think about doing something like that? That's just crazy. But we ended up looking into it and fell in love with it. And it was just, we went from there. We have two nine rounds now, Valencia, California and Camarillo. Okay, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Which which one came first? Valencia. Valencia. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so so Larry, what what prompted the idea that hey, maybe we should open one of these things up? So I was uh I have a I have a law degree and uh practiced law for I guess I've been licensed for 22 years now. Um I'm a, I'm a patent attorney by trade, so I've got that background. But we, uh, when we decided to move, uh, I was looking for something different than living by the billable hour. Um, even though I, you know, I was a partner in the firm and it was a smaller firm and had been a partner for 
15 years or whatever. Um, I was just ready for a change, a new chapter. And when we decided to move to California, started looking around and not really knowing what we were going to do. Came out here really with like, Christy said, what are you going to do to make money? I was like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And uh, <laughs> she finally got me to go into the nine round, like she mentioned in Edmond. And it was the first time that I had found a workout that was the same, that could be the same intensity level as the the football workouts that I had had in high school and in college, um, you know, that just covered in sweat type of thing. You can, you can work out harder or you can work out not quite as hard at nine round. That's the beauty of it. But for me, it was just something that I fell in love with uh, because of that. And when we came, we decided we were going to move to Santa Clarita. We found out there were no nine rounds here. The West Coast expansion really hadn't happened. There were a few in California, but not obviously not one in Santa Clarita. And there weren't very many in LA. So we thought we found a really niche thing to hit um, in this community. And, you know, that's kind of how we got into it. I love it. So, so Christy, for those of you in the audience that don't know what, um, what Nine Round is, can you just give us a brief overview of what exactly Nine Round is, Christy? Of course. Okay, so Nine Round is a 30-minute cardio kickboxing session. So basically, you come in and we don't have any class times. You have a, we're a semi-private studio. You have a trainer that will guide you through each each round, hence the name nine rounds. We have nine rounds. You come in, we start with jump rope to get you warmed up. You do weights at round two. You put your boxing gloves on at round three, four, five, six. Sometimes they stay on at seven. They come off at eight and you do a little speed bag. And then nine is always core. No class time. So you're never late, which is amazing, especially for moms who are busy and maybe their kids having a tantrum and they're not going to miss you know, their their class time. And get charged for it. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's basically the gist of it. 30 minutes, you're in, you're out. Good, solid workout too, because it's probably sustained effort, right? You're not, there's not a whole lot of rest, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Nope. Each round is three minutes. And so it's two minutes and 30 seconds of kind of sustained effort. And then the last 30 seconds, we want you to bump your heart rate up. And then you have a 30 second active break in between each round. So you're constantly moving. And what I tell people is we've got you for 30 minutes. We want to squeeze everything we can out of that 30 minutes. And so we use, uh, we use heart rate monitor technology to monitor while you're working out. We want you to work out hard, but not too hard. Like mm. We want to still have fun. We don't want your heart rate. Right. It's in the red <laughs> if you're above 92%. We want you in you know, the right heart rate zone. Most people are there to lose weight. So we want you kind of in that weight loss aerobic zone. Christy hit on the thing that sells everybody on it is the no class time part of it. Um, yeah. About... I would say about 80% of our membership are ladies and probably a full 70% of them are mom, busy moms with kids. And so it's just super easy for them to be able to drop kids off at school and not have to worry about making it by nine or nine 30 and be able to just roll in um, when they can. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things I think a lot of people don't realize is I talk to a lot of people and they think, I mean, gosh, you know, I'll do this home services franchise or I'll do, you know, I'm looking at this fitness concept or whatever, but they're always thinking, I mean, what, what's like the big difference? I mean, why me versus somewhere else? They think that they have to create the new iPhone to get people mm-hmm. to, to show up and come to them and for them to be able to compete. And that's just not true. Even slight differentiators like, Hey, we don't have class times. Just join whenever you want. Yeah. It's super convenient for you. And here's, here's our avatar that we're going for, which is 
Um, you know, 80% women, like you mentioned, mostly moms. This is the convenience factor that allows you to, you know, be mom and, and kick ass that way, right. but also have some time to get into good workout too. So I, I love that. I didn't, I didn't realize that actually. Yeah. When you guys were, when you guys came to California and I mean, were you just immediately like nine round is, is the one we'd like to go with? Did you investigate any other franchise or business options? I mean, what did that look like? Probably just a cursory look at other things, but we, I just I really fell in love with the concept from the beginning. And because it's a small boutique gym, it's not, you know, a big box gym. Right. And so the, the model is, is that it's Christy and I, you know, along with, we have a, a great staff, but like we're the face of it. We're the ones that are engaged with our members. We're getting to know them. It's more of a personal touch. Um, rather than just, you know, scanning somebody's tag when they walk in and not even saying hi to them. There's more, there's more, <laughs> what we like to say is we provide our members with an uncomfortable level of accountability. I like it. Um, so we're like, we're on them about coming in. We're on them about, you know, their nutrition, their workouts, things like that, because we want the results to happen for them. Um, and so we really didn't do a lot of investigation. We, mm-hmm. we found this concept. It was allegedly going to be an easy startup. Um, <laughs> allegedly not cost a lot of money to get started right. and be quick, right? <laughs> 90 days is what our franchisor told us. 90 days and you'll be open. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. That was not how it happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, we stuck through it and and everything came out okay until COVID. <laughs> yeah, well, we can get into that too. But, but even before then, I just kind of want to like uh, walk through it chronologically. So the build out, right? The nice thing is it's not a big box gym like an LA Fitness or Gold's. Right. I couldn't even imagine that project management. That sounds like a nightmare. But yeah. um, like, what's the square footage, Christy, for um, for a nine round? And then like, what did that build out process look like? And you know, were there issues, things that came up? I'm sure there were. Yes. I don't... What is the square footage? It's about 1,400 square feet. I was going to say 12. So yeah, about 14. We're very tiny. We're just enough to... You know, we can get... The most we've had in there at a time, member-wise, is 20. Eight, well, we've had 18 working out at the same time. So doubled up at each station. Yeah, it was way before COVID. So that hasn't, you know, COVID, yeah. like you said, we'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, the build-out was, whew, it was a process. It took It took us a while here in Santa Clarita to get the permits and all that good stuff. As far as building out, like nine round was good about sending us every single thing that we needed. And it was, I mean, that was the simple part. Like they have it down to an art on how to get you started with, you know, a nine round franchise. Yeah. They set us up with all the equipment. Yeah. All the equipment that we needed just, you know, drop shipped uh, to our house because we didn't have the location ready for it yet. But, um, you know, all the, the details down to you need to have these light fixtures. You need to have, uh, the posters on the wall need to be so many inches above or below the ceiling and things like that. So yeah, every, as far as the build out part of it goes, that part was easy. It was the waiting on the city, our quote, business friendly city to yeah. get us. It, it was, we started the process in January and we got our building permit in. September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took about nine months. And mind you, all we were doing was changing the light fixtures, painting the walls, 
and putting in a mop sink. <laughs> That's all we did to it. And it took nine months. That's all we did. <laughs> it's just insane. It was absolutely insane. Um, but, you know, we kind of finally got through all that. And, uh, but the build out, as far as like nine round, you know, nine round was really great about you need to do this, you need to do that. And here's the material. I mean, they gave us a list of things you go to buy from Lowe's or wherever you all source the way, it. All the way down to the paint color, like the exact paint colors, color. everything. They, yeah. Yeah. Nine round, they have it. We were very lucky in that regard that we didn't have to in, reinvent the wheel. They just yeah. had it already done. Here's what you need. And we we really lucked out because our builder built the not the Camarillo location. So even though we own the Camarillo location now, it's actually older than the Valencia location. Mm. So um, he had built the Camarillo location, so he knew kind of what everything needed to what needed to happen and and where to get the material. So that, like I said, we. Yeah started building in September and we were open October 21st. Wow. So okay. So it they, mainly they it was just a permit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. It's like 100%. It was 100% the city that delayed it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what people need to realize that are thinking about opening up a brick and mortar franchise. Oftentimes there are going to be things that are out of your control. And I would talk to not just yeah. franchise, talk to as many franchisees in the system and ask them how long it took for them to get open. But you need to talk to other business owners in your area um, that right. had a similar type of situation or build out and see how long it took them. Um, because it's going to, it's going to vary depending on your locality. Right. So, okay. Awesome. So you guys are open at that point. Um, yep. how are we getting members? Right. I think the, the two biggest questions people often have, I mean, there's of course more, but how am I going to get my customers? How am I going to find my employees? How am I going to keep those employees? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you guys go about finding the initial people? And it's a membership-based model, right? So they pay a membership right. every month. There's recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, how did you guys find those customers? Did Nine Run help you with pre-launch? Or how did that all work, Larry? I'll handle the pre-launch part of it. Um, yeah, Nine Round has a system that starts the day... Basically, the day you sign your lease, you go into pre-sale campaign because now you have a location and you can get a phone number. Um, and so our website went live and I'm telling you the day it went live and our ads started running, we signed up our first pre-sale member who ended up being one of our trainers for a while. She switched over from being a member to a trainer and she's since gone to nursing school and everything. But, um, the, yeah, so she's they helped us. With, <laughs> yeah. She's a nurse now. They, they went yeah. to pre, we did the pre-sale campaign, um, through nine round. Uh, they've got it pretty well late. You know, they want you to open with 100 members. Um, and so we opened, I think we had over a hundred members when we opened, but I don't think it was just the Facebook and Instagram. I know it wasn't. So we went to every chamber event Mm -hmm. that we could go to. We went to every nonprofit thing we could go to always wearing nine round stuff. We had Christie's car had nine round, uh, decals on the, on the windows. Yeah. It's funny how many people actually called from their car. (laughs) <laughs> when they saw her car. Yeah. We do have one bad Yelp review because of her driving. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So be careful when you put your uh, business on your car. Make sure you're driving nice and not like Christy. She thinks she's a NASCAR driver. It is no longer on my car. I yeah, do not no. do that ever. I never uh-huh. did it again. <laughs> That's right. No, we did go to every single, every single chamber, every single craft fair, every single everything that was here just to get our name out and meet people. Because when we moved to Santa Clarita, we didn't know one single person, Yeah, which was, you know, made it hard, 
because you don't have, you know, that network to help you, you know, branch out. I don't know. I think we kind of, we kind of came into it with a clean slate. So we were able to just, everybody we met was the most important person we've ever met because we didn't know who they knew. Right. So we didn't have any preconceived notions about yes. who anybody was. Um, and so That's seeing the funny. same people at every chamber event wasn't a bad deal back then. <laughs> no, right. Like, hey, right. Yeah. Can we get some new blood? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right. right. They probably say the same thing about us too. Um, but it's, yeah, we, we did, if there was a health fair, we did a booth. If there was a, um, you know, like the College of the Canyons, they had welcome week. We had a booth there. We, we did every bridal fair. We just did everything we could to get people through the door. Yeah. Well, I, I love that because I think a lot of people when they are considering buying a franchise, they think, the franchise is going to do it all for me. The franchisor is going to handle everything. Mm. I'm just going to wire that franchise fee over, sign the franchise agreement, and I'm going to be killing it. Right. And yeah. they're going to handle it all for me. No. You know, the franchisor does do a lot of things. And, you know, we touched on some of that, especially with the build out and, right. you know, some of the, the marketing. But in terms of like the local gl- grassroots marketing, like that's you as the franchisee. Like that's what you need to be doing. Yeah. You need to be cultivating right. those relationships in the community letting people know you exist. And I think that it, you have to be that kind of person who's going to go out there and, and be willing to do those sorts of things. Put door hangers on on doors and mm-hmm. go out there and shake hands in the community. Go to Chamber of Commerce events. Get involved in the nonprofit community. Yeah. I think all those things are critical. Because um, people do... We've all heard this a million times, but you know, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And people will right. visit and be customers of businesses they feel the same way about. So... Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I love that. Um, so you guys are open. You launched with over a hundred members, which is amazing because that's all, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure the, the retention rate is pretty solid. And then, um, that's all recurring revenue too. So once you have that customer, that's not a one time yeah. deal. That's, that's revenue that's there and it's sticky. So that's awesome. Yeah. In terms of employees, what did, what did, what does that look like? And, and who handles that side of things? We both will do, we'll interview. We like to hire pretty slow. Yeah. Because we want to make, we've got, we've built a really solid culture with our employees. Um, they're not just employees, you know, they're, they, when they're there long enough, they become part of the family. And, you know, it's, when we started this, we did a lot of discovery calls with the franchise and they would actually, at this time, they would do calls with owners. And so you could, then they would hang up and let you just ask questions of the owners. And to an owner, they said the hardest thing was finding uh, people, because it's such a unique blend of athleticism and enthusiasm and the ability to sell a membership. It's a, we, you know, we've only found maybe three or four people that had all of those things. We've had mm. people that are really good on the floor. We've had people that are really good at training. Yeah. We've had people that had a lot of energy, but it's a, it's a rare mix to find all of those things together. Um, and so we do know what to look for now. We've, uh, and we've just really, we use, um, a service called career plug Mm. that we use and, and it sends it out to indeed and all monster and all those different places. So it's, um, you know, our, our employees tend to be younger. They tend to be in their early twenties and we hire, we try to hire really good people. So we know they're not here forever. Mm -hmm. They're, they're here for, they're, it's a transitory thing where they're going to be here for a little while. and little season. Yeah. And hopefully we've taught them 
some things. We invest a lot of time in their training. So hopefully they've learned a little something about how to sell. Because what I try to tell them is, I don't care what profession you're in. I mean, I was a lawyer. You're always selling something, you know, as a lawyer, I'm trying to get a client to trust me to let me do their legal work or to help them through a sticky situation. If you're, you know, and then if you're a doctor, you're still trying to convince a patient that this is the course of action and they need, they need to understand that the, just the MD doesn't make you have credibility. Um, and, and the ability to listen to people and, and take that feedback that you're getting from them is something that they learn. And so it's, it's challenging. It is. I mean, you know, the first five seconds when they walk in, you know, if they're hireable. Yeah, we really do. You know, we've kind of gotten, you know, we've had quite a few interviews and whatnot. And sometimes these young kids, they walk in five, 10 minutes late and I say, we're not interested. Yeah. We turn them off. We just like, no, I'm sorry. You're late. Just like, not gonna, you're not going to waste our time to remember this for your next interview. Yeah. 15 minutes early, you're on time. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on time, you're late. That's right. Yeah. Because our, you know, the job that they have is so important for them to be there on time because they're either relieving a trainer or they're opening up the studio for people who are planning to get their workout in early in the morning. And before, as somebody who works out, I appreciate what that takes to like get up and get your clothes on and get ready to, you know, mm-hmm. drive over to the studio and get ready to go, get yourself mentally prepared. And if somebody's not there, man, that is just, it's bad. It's really bad. So. No doubt. But yeah. It's, it's the hardest thing for sure. But rewarding too. You get to pour into some cool people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been great. I think that's awesome. And so you have this business that's now open. In the beginning, it sounds like a lot of it was doing the grassroots marketing. But what did the day-to-day look like in the beginning? In addition to the grassroots marketing that we talked about and the door hangers and all that, um, what did it look like then? And then what does it kind of look like now? I mean, I noticed that obviously, you know, it's, um, you know, it's Monday here, um, 1030 a.m. Um, when we're recording this. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, do you guys, I, I imagine you don't live all day, every day at the, at the gym. So, I mean, what is, what does the day to day look like and how has that evolved? I guess is what I'm asking. You know, we used to live at the gym when we first started. Mm-hmm. We worked, we worked, we worked, we worked, we worked. And it's a challenging thing to work with your spouse, especially, <laughs> especially in the beginning. And I still quit once a week. I'm like, I'm done. I quit, <laughs> but yeah. it's not as bad. And you know, we, you find people that you can trust to open the gym and to run the gym also. I mean, Larry's there. I mean, I'm usually there every single morning for at least an hour working out, you know, talking to the members, being with my morning trainers. Larry's there a lot more than I am because he's, he does the, you know, a lot of the first time workouts and is training the trainers to also do that. But yeah, in the beginning, it was, it was hard because we lived, breathed everything nine round. Even our kids were there almost all the time, either working out or, you know, our daughter started, she was a trainer. Our son didn't want to be a trainer, so that's totally fine. <laughs> but it is it was definitely a a challenge in the beginning because we were together all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's she's right in the beginning we were there a lot. And it took a it took a long time for me to be able to let go of that mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. trust that the people that we had hired 
we're going to be able to do the job. I can remember we would go to this place down in North Hollywood on Wednesday nights for date night. And I would basically have my iPad set up there with the camera on the table so I could watch and see what was going on in the studio. And, you know, slowly you put that thing away. And, you know, eventually (laughs) now it's like we were able to, we were, we've been on a couple of trips this summer and, you know, the studio's been fine. People are, are, you know, you train your people well. Yeah. Overtrain them. Just spend so much time training them and you will have the freedom to do the things that you really want to do um, without having to worry about, you know, it, there's always going to be a question that's going to come up. And I kind of, I tell our folks, you know, if you have a question, don't be afraid to text me. There's no question. I'd yeah. rather you ask me and let's get it right. Then you do it wrong and we have to go back and fix it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the beginning, Larry would wake up at before six o'clock just to make sure, look on the camera to make sure the trainer showed up. And I was like, you have yeah. got to stop doing that. <laughs> and it's funny because when we train a trainer to do, let's say a first time workout, Larry, he he still wants to be there. Um, but me, I'm like, well, they're not ever going to learn unless you just shove them in there. So I'm always like, shove them, you know, throw them to the wolves. And Larry's always like, no, I need to be there a little bit more. <laughs> I'm like, they're never going to learn. Just shove them yeah. out there. Yeah. So yeah. It's hard. If you'd like our help investing in a franchise at no cost to you, head over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a free consultation. But yeah, it's we've we've got a lot of freedom now and it's really great. Our yeah. our gym in Camarillo, we've had a manager since the day we bought it, so and he's fantastic. He's doing a great job out there. Yeah. But you know, something always pops up. We just had Hurricane Hillary. Both of my roofs are leaking, so I'm having to deal with that today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Flat roof buildings. So there's just always something to to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that's what entrepreneurship is, right? Just yeah. problem solving, dealing with things. But the nice thing is, is you start off, you hustle, you hustle, you hustle, and then it grows to a point where yeah. you don't have to necessarily be as involved in the day-to-day. You know, right. here and there, of course, it sounds like, but but yeah, that's awesome that you've you've been able to build some freedom because I think that most people, when they're thinking about business ownership and franchising, they're wanting freedom. And the caveat though is you have to pay the price up front. You're not going to necessarily start with a ton of freedom, and you got to yeah. you got to protect your investment at the end of the day. Exactly. So you have to be smart about the way that you grow it and scale it and and launch it. So that all makes sense to me. And uh, and you and you mentioned Larry the uh, the second location you both have. Um. How did that come about, the Cambria location? Yeah, let, uh, I'd like to answer that, but let me back up and, and just sure. I want to add a point because it's a common mistake that I have seen in our franchise because we have our Facebook group with other owners and everything. Right. And I think the ones that struggle don't don't invest enough capital in their trainers and in their people because they're doing... If they're working in the... So here's the difference, right? You're talking about how much time we spend in the gym. Well, we're not in the gym every day when it's open all day, but I am constantly working on the business. I'm Mm. doing the digital marketing stuff. I'm making phone calls now. We're doing, Christy's doing the community outreach with the charity work that she does. We're at chamber functions. We're always doing something in the business, but it's, you know, it's kind of fun stuff. Like we were bowling last night. It was great. Um, and we, you know, those types of things. And so it's different. You're still working at it and you're always thinking about it. You're never not thinking about it, but it's not the, 
in the the studio doing the work. And the only way you can do that, and this is the mistake people make, they're working in the business instead of on the business is what I always hear. And so you've got to get it in your mind that I'm going to invest in this, in the people and train them. And then you got to let them go and let them do their thing. Same thing goes with the marketing. You've got to pay the marketing price. You have to pay it. People are not going to come in if you don't market. We have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars marketing and people still walk in and go, how long have you guys been here? I didn't even know this place was here. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and with nine, another thing is with nine round, like we have a certain, we have to use nine round gloves. We have to use nine round, well, we don't have to use nine round wraps, but we, yes, we gloves, like you have to use the brand, right? You have to use the wraps. Yes. Right. You have to use the brand, right? And I think that, and I don't know how it is with other franchises, franchises, that sounds funny. Yes, Yes, franchises. Um, But some people in our business will skimp and go get something cheaper. And then they they wonder why they're not succeeding. You have to follow the model. You have have to in order for it to work. So you have to put the initial capital up in whatever franchise you're doing. Yeah, it always shocks me when someone buys into a franchise and then doesn't follow the blueprint. Like that's what you paid yes. for. You paid for the blueprint. Yes. You paid for the model. Run the play. You have the playbook. Run the play. Execute. Yep. Exactly. You don't need to think. If you're the type of person that needs to be the super smart guy or gal who is like the brains behind everything, then maybe franchising isn't the right fit for you. But if you're right. someone that doesn't want to have to think about it, just here's the playbook. Run the play. Franchising is the right fit. So I right. think that makes sense. So the, the, the way that comes up is the daily workouts that we have. Every, you know, every, every day we get a new workout and our corporate office does those. And I run into owners that write their own workouts. And I'm like, why? why? I got better stuff to do with my time. <laughs> um, kidding. So going to the, back to the question about how Camarillo, the location there came about. The owner of that had been, I had contacted him while we were building out our location here in Valencia. And so we had built a relationship up. And in fact, he let us bring our trainers out to his studio to work a shift or two to kind of get used to running the floor and seeing what it really was like with a gym full of people. Um, And so we had stayed close on, you know, what are you doing that's working advertising? What's not working? And um, he just won, I mean, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I got an email from him saying, hey, do you want to buy this location? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a great it's a great spot. Camarillo is a great area. It's growing, um, and I was like, hell yeah, I'll buy that. And so we we started the process of that. The franchise or nine round corporate was very helpful yeah. in getting that through. There weren't like a whole lot of fees or anything like that um, yeah. to get it switched over. So yeah, that was that had its own growing pains though, because going from one to two mm-hmm. is not just an additive. It's an exponential adding of figuring things out. Yeah, everything. And having to, we really had to focus. It took us a year to get processes and processes and processes. And then COVID hit. (laughs) Mm. And so before we get into COVID, Christy, I mean, how was it different with, because you're buying into another location. It's an existing location. And, you know, every owner kind of injects their own little culture, I would imagine, into each location. So even though it's the same brand, the feel of it might be a little bit different than what you guys had built. 
And so what was that like, Christy? Like, how was the feel different? How did you guys kind of then put your mark and touch on the new location or the location you acquired and, and kind of brought it into the, the way that you had done things and built it the first location you guys had? Right. Well, Larry could probably touch better on this because I I stayed here at Valencia okay. and spent more time here because Camarillo is about 45 minutes away. Yeah, not, so not he close. would drive. No, he would drive back and forth. And it was it was a lot of <laughs> I mean, it was hard for him to even be <laughs> you know, I don't want to I gotta be careful what I say about <laughs> we had some we um, had some issues pains. with the manager. <laughs> The man, the current, the manager when we bought it um, was working part time, and I wanted a manager that was full time. Mm. And this manager didn't want it, and said, "Well, I said, well, I guess we don't have a spot for you." And that caused a lot of trauma with the members that were there. Um, mm. And in the long run, it ended up being the absolute right decision because we were already butting heads yes. on little yes. things I wanted changed. Um, you know, there's two ways you can sell a gym membership. One of them is you could do a pay up front, right? They pay for three months or whatever and pay a certain amount. Or you can do that recurring due. And we want the recurring due model because that's where the real value, if we, when we decide to sell either one of these locations, the way I would value it if I looked at it, because I've looked at a lot of different nine rounds, you know, for expansion purposes. And I always look at that recurring revenue. I want to see how much I'm going to make. And that's where I find the value. So we were trying to switch over to that. And then we were button heads about that. We were trying to increase the prices. We were button heads about that. We were dealing with them, not using nine round gloves. So it it ended up being the best thing, but it was, (laughs) it was, we were not well beloved in that community starting out. And it took, Mm, it took about a year to a year and a half to kind of recover from that and get back to where things were rolling pretty well. Yeah, we lost a lot of members. It pissed off a lot of members. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and they Absolutely. left. Yeah. yeah. We're like, well, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. We'll just replace you. And I've dealt with a lot of that with, you know, in my previous practice, I helped with my law practice. I helped with a lot of people that, companies that bought other companies. And that there's always going to be some of those growing pains of, like you mentioned, bringing your culture into a place that may have been very successful with the way they've been doing it, but you see a different path that can maybe take it yeah. to a, another level. And, you know, it's, you got to baby step it, baby step it, baby step it. I think mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't recommend just going, we're changing all this today. Because um, it's too much trauma for people to handle. You got to, you got to just, you know, a little bit at a time. People don't like change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, major on the major stuff, and minor on the yeah, minor. That makes and sense. then, and then you know, it t- it's a process. It takes some time, and as people see why you're doing these things, like people now see that the the studio Camarillo is incredibly clean all the time, and it wasn't before. And those are mm, things right. we instituted because we wanted to have a clean environment for people to work out in. You know, the workouts are better because we did X, Y, and Z. So there's just we hired better trainers that are more engaged, and so things are. When they start to see the change and see the, the benefit of it, if you stick to your guns right. mm-hmm. and you can weather that initial storm, it'll it'll all work out. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take a step back to take a couple of steps forward. I mean, I think it's better to clean house right when you go in too, especially with a manager, if they're not jiving with you and and being respectful yeah. and trying to do things their own way. I mean, that's an easy way to tank 
um, yeah. tank things pretty quickly. So I think I think that was probably the right decision. And hindsight seems yeah. to have, uh, um, you know, made the same thing known to you guys. So, yeah. In in terms of um, so you have the second location and all of that. Then obviously, uh, twenty twenty hits, COVID, best time ever, especially yeah. for a gym in California. Oh my God. Uh, so what was what was that like? I mean, gosh, I can't even imagine. So we closed down. It was a nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. We we yeah. attempted to do workouts on Zoom, which a, a handful of people did it. And Larry and I would get up every single morning and do a Zoom class. And then did we do two a day? Afternoon no. two? No. I can't remember. No, we recorded it. That's right. Yeah, I we did remember. one in the morning on like like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we did it in the later in the day on Tuesday, Thursday. Mm. That's right, that's right. But it was it was a nightmare. Then we moved to the park. Then it was raining ash on us for all the wildfires, mm. and so eventually, I just told Larry, "Is like it's more dangerous for us to be in the park than us to just go back in the gym." I said, "I'm going back in the gym," and we covered our windows and our neighbor, our neighbors, our members snuck in the back with their little paper bags with their nine round stuff and we all wore masks and we cleaned the we cleaned every bag between every single member we yeah. spaced them out six feet and we opened you know it, we just did what we could do just to survive yeah we did a we did in Camarillo we worked out in the parking lot 6 a.m mm. people were in the parking lot working out yeah um we did you know and then we kind of went back indoors and the Camarillo people came by the the enforcement or whatever. And the lady walked yeah. in. She said, I think you guys just need one more hand sanitizer up front. And she turned around and walked out. <laughs> wow. Okay. And the order, yeah, she the, didn't the order care. hadn't been lifted yet. She was just like, uh, you know, I think you need another hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. So we did that. But yeah, we had little squares on the floor. You had to stay inside your square. Where you when had you to stay out. in your box. Stay in your <laughs> yeah. box. Keep your mask on. Yeah. Um, luckily, Santa Clarita, they didn't say anything about no, us never, opening. Nothing. I mean, they 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 never bothered us once. I mean, I think that they were kind of like, okay, you gotta you gotta survive you gotta, and you gotta to pay your rent right. and eat and take care of your kids yeah. and yeah, Sweet. which was really cool. Yeah. Well, that being Rather said, though, we wouldn't have made it without the PPP loans. Mm. Um, yeah. but. That was, I know a lot of people have talked about, people have varying feelings about that program, but for a business like ours, you know, it, we were to it's the point business. where it's, do we put more of our money into it? Do we close it and just walk away and go do something else? And the PPP made that decision for us. And because of that, we were able to make yeah. it through, um, you know, and keep providing jobs and a place for people to work out. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of health related places didn't make it you know they just they, it, it's right. yeah there was another kickboxing place in santa clarita that didn't make it and it's and it was a franchise of another another franchise and it's it's rough because you know yeah. awareness of kickboxing is good for us you know their competitor yeah but you know we want we want everybody to do well and it was sad to see that happen to them so what do you think it was for you both that allowed you guys to survive and maybe not some of the other competition. I mean, was it just really the PPP loan? Is that the main thing? I mean, or was it something else you guys did? You know what? We have amazing members who stuck yeah. with us too. Yeah. We it was a bloodbath. We lost a lot of members, a lot. But yeah. we had members who said, We're gonna keep paying, we're gonna stick with you, 
we want you to still be here when this is over. Yeah. And of course, we we gave credits to everybody. It was in increments. You know, it took us what a year and a half to give everybody yeah. their credits back. But we we were very blessed with the like you like Larry said earlier. We are a family oriented business, and we are the face of the business. And they know us, and they trust us, and they believe in us. And yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, Christy hit it right on the head. It was the members that the the PPPs helped, but it was really the members that said, "I'm gonna. I know this is gonna be rough for you. I'm still working. I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna keep paying my membership, even though they weren't getting anything out of it at all. Really, I mean, they mm-hmm. they we had a lot of people come to the parks. We had you know people sneaking in, like Christy said, with their paper bags of nine round equipment. And but it was <laughs> it was really the ones that were just like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable coming in. But I'm going to keep paying, and that they really, yeah, they're our heroes. They got us through it. So, mm-hmm. and that just goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, you know, building that community connection and, and getting out there, and yeah, and yep. showing up, just showing up. You know, being at those nonprofit events and and being with your members, getting to know your members, and showing face. I mean, that stuff matters, and it sounds like that that made a difference. The other, the thing we're really blessed to be able to do is. To also, we do some social functions. Like we had a Christmas party with our members. We uh, we just had an event at a local brewery um, where we got together. So it's kind of nice to see each other like outside the studio and you know, everybody in their regular clothes with their hair fixed. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good to get yeah, out and see each other. Yeah, <laughs> Not a, everybody's got makeup on and no ponytails. Yeah. But those, those are, people overlook those things, but they are, they're very important. Very, very important. Yeah. It's those little things that really add up and make a big difference at the end of the day. Absolutely. For sure. Before we wrap up, I did want to touch on and just ask you guys, I mean, what's what's next? I mean, what what is the future? I mean, none of us know what the future holds, but I mean, is the is the idea to get uh, more locations, expand? Is I mean, what, what are you guys looking to do? Is it other franchises? What are you looking to accomplish? You know, honestly, in the beginning, Larry wanted 10. And once we acquired the two... And there were <laughs> there was a, a lot of splitting and whatnot. I was like, mm, no, we're good. <laughs> yeah, two is great. Two, two, perfect, perfect. But Larry, Larry does other stuff. So, yeah, I still do a little bit of patent work, um, and then Christy and I actually have a podcast that we do um, once a week. It's just yes. us talking. Thirty-seven followers. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> we just started it, so we're. We're working our way up. And then, you know, we, during COVID, I learned how to sail. Uh, and so we bought a yacht and we're running that as a business, as a charter business too. Nice. Yeah. There's a lot of different things. We don't, there's a third chapter. Uh, this is probably not something we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Um, our kids, we're about to be empty nesters. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where we're just going to see we're kind of gypsies and we'll see where we end up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so no real plans. We're, we're, we're definitely um, in the mode of making these two that we own the top two nine rounds in the country. And we have yeah. been busting our butts for the last this year, really trying to focus on new member, member retention, advertising, and yeah. really building them up. And it's, we've seen a lot of success this year. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's taken people a lot of time to get back out of the COVID mode. I can't tell you how many people come in and they're like, 
I haven't worked out since before COVID. That's three years ago. What you know? What's yeah. going on? What so it's taken a Gosh, it's taken yeah. a while for people to get back to normal. It really has. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and our podcast is called Gray Bullshit. Gray Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we talk about everything and anything, and it's not yeah. PG. No, it is not. It's got an explicit <laughs> sign on it. <laughs> I was wondering which one of us was going to the first cuss word. <laughs> no, I know. I've had a really focus. <laughs> it's it's gray gray bullshit. Uh huh. Yeah, G- gray G R A Y, and then bullshit because our last name is Grable. Yeah. So gray bullshit. <laughs> I like it. We talk about anything and everything. Yeah, yeah check it out, guys. Um, yeah. And then, um, I guess last question to you both. I mean, if you guys were to give like maybe a 30 second piece of advice to someone that's thinking about buying a franchise, what would you say to them? Do your research, do your research on both ends, like on everything. Just, you can't over research. I would, yes, Christy's completely accurate. And as part of that research, I would talk to as many owners as you possibly can, not just the ones that the corporate office is going to feed to you potentially, Mm -hmm. because those are going to be the really successful ones. Find the ones around you that are in similar towns, find out what, what kind of issues they didn't realize when they joined, you know, the, the other things you have to pay for architects and permits and all those things that you don't really, that they don't, the corporate office can't tell you about you know, find an owner, find out how much they're making, see if they'll share it with you. Really get a realistic view of how much you really are going to make doing, uh, you know, whatever franchise you're getting into. You know, read the franchise disclosure documents. Um, In California, I think they have to be updated yearly. Uh, Mm -hmm. Read those. Find out what the trend is um, for your franchise. When we got in, our franchise was just giving them out like hotcakes. We had over 700 mm-hmm. when COVID started. Now we're about to 350 or a little less because they were just giving, they were selling them to anybody and everybody. And yeah. you know, a lot of people. You have to have a passion. I think you have to have a little bit of a passion for whatever you're getting into. And also keep in mind that if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not easy. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yep. It's rewarding. I've had a lot more time it with is, my yeah. kids over the last six years because of it, because I've had a lot more freedom. Yeah. So it's good. And that's that's what people want at the end of the day, guys. So um, amazing conversation. This has been great. I know it's been super helpful for people that I'm, awesome. I'm sure are current franchisees or people thinking about buying a franchise. I think this has just been awesome. So um, thank you both so much for coming on. Yeah. Uh, make sure to check out uh, uh, the, the Gray Bullshit podcast, right? Yeah. Go and yeah. give that a look. It's everywhere you get them. So it's out there. <laughs> yeah. And if you're in Santa Clarita or, or Camarillo, and you want to get a good workout, hit up uh, hit up Nine Round, guys. So Absolutely. Well, with that said, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. Uh, super, super grateful for every one of you that's tuned in. Um, as always, if you need our help buying a franchise, reach out to us. Go to the I Fired My Boss Podcast.com and we will help you out. But other than that, I hope you all have a great one and we'll see you on the next episode. You're f***ing fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss.